2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 to 24. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. For the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Old people like me, and no, not like you either, Miss P. Actually, that's not, we won't do that. More mature people such as I will probably remember names like Jim Baker. He was a very well-known tele-evangelist, that is, until he was convicted of fraud. Uh, and he's someone who pocketed millions of dollars from his faithful. He's actually out of jail now, and he's earning himself a living. Guess what he's doing to earn himself a living? He, sorry? Tele-evangelist again. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, or there's the likes of Jesse Duplantis, who appealed to his listeners to donate 54 million US dollars to buy him a new jet because apparently Jesus wouldn't be riding a donkey today. Or there's likes of Benny Hinn, who travels the world once again in his private jet, doing his healing shows and raking in millions of dollars, not only for his ministry, but also it seems for him and his family who are living in the lap of luxury. At 7am on weekdays here in Australia, you can turn into Gem Television and watch Creflo Dollar. And yep, He's also somebody who will appeal to you for your money. Apparently his private jet is worn out and he needs a new one. After all, his two Rolls Royces can't possibly fly him to his various mansions that he has in various cities. And it's not only the blokes, let's, not, let's be fair, it's not only the blokes. Back in 2004, Joyce Meyer was on a 900,000 US dollar salary and her husband was on a 450,000 US dollar salary. Apparently the optics of that wasn't real good, so they've since changed the arrangements. Um, so they now get paid a bit less, um, but they get to keep more of the book royalties for themselves. And I think they, that they actually come out of it better off. Now, all of these are examples of big names that millions of people have trusted and they've donated their money to them for their ministries. Now, the thing is, some people are, are really quick to trust them, and other people have these alarm bells going off in their heads and can't understand why would anyone give their money to them. But you know what? 
I reckon it's, it's harder to know if we're being taken for a ride when we're dealing with the little guy. I mean, when the bloke in the fancy suit and the million dollar smile and the private jet who owns several mansions puts out his hand and asks for your money, it's pretty easy to spot him as a fraud. But what about when somebody from Nigeria contacts our church? What about when our town gets visited by somebody from India? How do we know if they're the real deal or not? Um, I ran out of time last week, but I really wanted to include this part of the Bible reading in with last week's message because they need to go hand in hand. Last week, we were talking about the grace of God in action. Authentic Christians give generously to help other Christians who are in dire need. And if, as disciples of Jesus, we don't give generously to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in dire need, then there is something seriously wrong with our relationship with God. And so the message last week was, was about readiness. God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have. He only expects us to give what we do have. He's looking for readiness so that we will give generously to the Christian church who are suffering, so that we would give generously to those who are being persecuted and, and to those who are in extreme poverty. And I would hope that all of us have this kind of readiness. But the thing is... We live in a world where greedy and evil and opportunistic people are very quick to take advantage of those who do have a readiness to support their Christian brothers and sisters who are in need. And there's lots of examples of this. Uh, my spam filter on my computer is pretty good at the moment. Um, and so most of these messages get filtered out now. But for a while there, it was very common for me to receive an email telling me that they'd found the Bush Disciples website and they'd read all about our church and they, they're telling me how wonderful the, the, the mission of Bush Disciples Church is and they would love to partner with us so that they could, we could help each other in ministry. They were after money. And in reality, they were probably some organised crime syndicate trawling the internet putting out millions and multitudes of appeals, hoping that just a few churches will take the bait. And they put all of the signs there, like they're trying to appeal to our sense of vanity, you're a wonderful church, and, and trying to appeal to, to um, our, our own saviour complex we have. Oh, you can make a big difference. You can, you can do something to make this work. Now, once again, for anyone who's even a little bit internet-wise, internet-savvy, it's pretty, pretty easy to spot that kind of fraud. But there's even a harder cause to tell. It's when it comes in the form of a, a personal contact. Um, this, we actually received an email this morning um, when Robin went on a mission trip over, over to a country in Africa, over to Uganda. The, um, by the time she got home, we had an, an email from one of the people who were being helped by that ministry, had emailed Robin direct asking for money. And Robin um, contacted the organisation and told them what had happened. 
They said, yep, this has happened before. This particular person's just after money. And um, anyway, it's all been silent on that front for years. But actually, we got another email from this person today. And um, it's sort of finished by saying, shh, don't tell anybody that I've, this will just be between us, hey? Don't, don't tell anybody that I've asked you for money. Um, but what about when it even gets more personal than that? What about when we get a personal visit? Where a person from a poor country comes to our little country town and shares with us the need that their ministry is trying to meet in their country far, far away. And we hear tear-jerking stories and how a donation can make a huge difference to bring hope. But how do we know if we can trust them or not? How do we know if they're legitimate? How, how do we know that the money that we're going to give is going to get to where it's supposed to be going? And even if they send a photo to prove that the $1,000 that you gave to dig a bore actually dug a bore, there's the bore it dug, how do we know that 10 people didn't each give them $1,000, but only one bore got dug and $9,000 went into somebody's pocket? How can we know that it's legit? Well, the thing is, we actually can't. At some level, there has to be trust. But we have to make a decision whether this is a person that should be trusted or not. A number of years ago, a pastor from India came to town. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And he wanted to speak at all of the churches uh, to try and get financial support for... Well, just about anything, really. Um, and that's what I found strange. Um, he didn't actually have any set plan at the time. It was all being developed on the run. And, oh, yeah, yeah, if you give money, we'll be able to use this, do, do this. Or, and somebody would say, oh, I know this organisation where if you donate money, then you can actually buy a sewing machine for somebody to make a living with. Oh, yes, we can do that too. You donate money to us and we'll provide a sewing machine. And same for a rickshaw or a Borwell or or whatever. Um, now, at the time, I have to confess, I was quite dubious and not trusting of this chap. Uh, to me, it seemed strange that somehow this man from this very poor church could afford to fly to Australia when I know that my church wouldn't be flying me to India. Um, and to me, it just, it just wasn't sitting right. And also something that, that I actually grated on me was if you made a donation, then they would put a sign on the sewing machine saying, donated by so-and-so from St George, Australia. Because most people who give, they don't want their name on the gift. Most people who give want to just give because they love. Um, and the other thing that made me a bit dubious was uh, the main representative of them in St George was actually a man who, who didn't really have a good reputation for playing well in churches. Uh, most preachers that he came across, he'd hunt them down after the service and tell them how wrong they were and what they preached and, and apparently he was the only one that knew things right. Anyway, so I was always dubious about this ministry. But my own brother, who was going to another church in Toowoomba a few years later, uh, that church was making a donation to the same ministry and that church sent a team and my brother actually got to go on that team 
to India. And the group that he is with visited villages and they saw the new boards that had been dug. In some of those villages, there was no interest in Jesus. There was no response. But in others, he told me the example of one village where the chief was the first one to become a Christian and so the whole village followed. And they had an instant church there they, and they, they funded then a pastor to put there at that, at that village. Um, in one town that they went to, they actually walked through the street and this is one of the rare times that they weren't being guided um, and they actually saw, they found it themselves, a boar and written on the boar was donated by so-and-so from St George. Um, and he saw the push bikes that had been donated for the pastors to ride to their churches. He, he took note that the ministry workers didn't seem to be living in luxury. And he saw lots of evidence of the donations getting used and put into use. Now, the thing is, before he went, he was a little bit like me. A little, probably not as sceptical as me, but sceptical. And he'd gone over there a bit dubious. But he came away feeling, I'm pretty sure that this money is getting spent on ministry. He still had to trust, but what he saw helped to build his trust. But even with what he saw, at some level, it still comes down to trust. You see, if they wanted to pull the wool over his eyes, they could do that very easily. I mean, when you can't speak the language and you're dependent upon translators, and the only places you go are the places that they take you, and the only things that you see are the things that they want you to see. It, it still comes down to trust, doesn't it? Now, charities in Australia have to be registered with the ACNC, the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission. Even little old bush disciples here, we have to be registered with the ACNC and make reports to them. And there's all sorts of checks and balances, but... but to see that the donations are getting used for their intended purpose. Uh, but that isn't the case in India. And so at some point, if we're going to direct money to an overseas church, we can only do it based on trust. But we should have, have a practice of not giving with blind trust. And in essence, um, this is what's being demonstrated in Bible reading today. Paul organised a collection from the Corinthian church to be taken to the church in Jerusalem. But how could that Corinthian church know that they could trust those people who were gathering the offering? And how could they know that they could trust that the offering was going to get to where it was supposed to be going? And, and Paul himself is quite clear. He's not expecting blind trust. To Paul... Integrity means everything. In verse 20, he says, we take this course, all right, so we're doing it this way, and, and what they put together is quite a, a robust means of accountability, right? So, so we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. All right? So we might have the greatest of intentions and we know that our motives are pure. And God, who sees everything, well, he knows if we're doing the right thing or not. 
But Paul put together a system so that even in the sight of man, it would be recognised for its integrity and its accountability. It wasn't a system of blind trust. So what did Paul do to, to demonstrate the honour of those who, who were administering the collection? And what should we be looking for so that we can have confidence that, that those who administer a collection are honourable? Right? We shouldn't be basing it on blind trust. There are way too many greedy people wanting to take advantage of our readiness to give. Um, and it even happens in Australia. Um, I know a chap who ran ministries in Western Queensland in, in a certain town, and he's full of enthusiasm and he could talk up the ministry. And he'd go to cities and he'd visit city churches and, and tell them what he's up to and what, what his plans are, and he would get enormous donations from city churches. And I'd meet folk from the city and they'd say, oh, do you know so-and-so out at this certain place? He's so wonderful and he's doing such great stuff. But you talk to somebody who's actually worked with him and they reckon he's a crook, right? That there's people like this. And this isn't uncommon. So how did Paul demonstrate an honourable administration of the collection? Well, firstly, the trust wasn't to be put in one man alone. Paul was the one promoting this offering. He was very keen for it, but he wasn't the only one involved here. And he sent to them an envoy. And it wasn't only a one-man envoy. He lists three different people who went as representatives to administer this collection. And the characteristics of these men is how Paul built honour and integrity into the system. Secondly, he sent someone they personally knew. He sent Titus. Titus is somebody who'd visited them before. He's ministered to them. They knew Titus. They trusted Titus. Thirdly, he sent someone who was well known among the churches for his preaching of the gospel. These people that, that Paul sent, they weren't professional fundraisers. They didn't just go to say, hey, we've got this ministry, give money. They went to preach the gospel. They, they didn't send security guards to just say, oh, we're here to, pro to, to protect it and make sure that we don't get robbed on the way. Uh, verse 18 says, with him, meaning along with Titus, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Right? This was a well-known preacher. He was famous among the churches. He was recognised across the churches. This bloke knows Jesus and he knows the gospel and he can communicate the gospel. We trust this bloke. Fourthly, they were appointed by the churches. They didn't just put up their hand and say, well, I'm going to go and do this off my own bat. They didn't just decide for themselves that they were going to suddenly take up an offering. The churches who knew them and the churches who knew that they could be trusted appointed them and they went with the church's recommendation. Fifthly, they were tried and tested. Verse 22 says, and with them, meaning with Titus and with this other famous preacher bloke, we're sending our brother whom we have often tested. 
and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. Now, once again, this isn't just somebody who was along for the ride. He wasn't a new Christian. Uh, he, he wasn't a new apprentice. He wasn't an unknown, untested quantity. He'd been tested in many matters. And he'd always been earnest. He'd always been trustworthy. He'd always gotten the job done. And he was diligent. He was full of zeal. This bloke was reliable. He'd get the job done. And so Paul sums up the delegation like this. As for Titus, he's my partner and my fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of your boasting about, sorry, of our boasting about you to those men. And so the envoy that was sent were people who would minister to the givers by preaching the gospel. Titus was a partner and fellow worker with Paul for the Corinthians' benefit. And the others were messengers of the churches. What's the message that the church has to preach? The glory of Christ. They were making known the glory of Christ. When, when someone preaches the gospel in our midst, and it's the wonderful, pure, beautiful gospel of Christ, when, when the gospel that they preach has the, the ring of truth to it, and, and we can see the love in the person's eyes as they deliver the message, and we can just see that they believe what they're preaching, what builds trust more than that? Yeah, and sometimes we just want somebody just turns up and they come along tells us about the ministry give us your money and away they go but isn't it so very different when they come and they preach the gospel it's good for you guys to hear the gospel from somebody other than me too isn't it yeah and so they weren't just there to collect they were there to serve now there's two things in today's reading that really struck me a this was a whole of church activity. The wider church recognised these people and sent them as an envoy. They sent them as a delegation so that the Corinthian church as one would have the confidence that these were godly men, we can trust these blokes, and they're people who are going to see it through to the point where it gets to Jerusalem where it's supposed to be going. And B, it was a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, the Corinthians were the ones who were giving, but they also received. As the gospel was preached, they were being ministered to by the delegates. Now, Paul wanted to make sure that no allegation of corruption or embezzlement could ever stick if it was thrown at him. Because something I know is, is when you're a preacher of the gospel, your integrity means everything. And so ministers of the gospel have to go above and beyond. Doing the right thing, we'd like to think that that's enough, but it's not enough. It has to be obvious for the world that we're doing the right thing. Everything has to be open. 
Everything has to be transparent so that it can be seen that, that everything's above board. And for us, when it comes to giving, it's important for us who give to keep an eye on the integrity of those we're giving to as well. As we learned last week, as disciples of Jesus, we should have an inbuilt readiness to give generously to our Christian brothers and sisters when they are in need. It should just be built into us. It should be a natural reaction is when we see Christian brothers and sisters who are in need, it should be a natural reaction to, to give, to give generously. And I think the challenge for us today is, is to maintain that readiness. Even though there are many unscrupulous people who take advantage of that readiness, we need to maintain that readiness. And so we apply the test of integrity. And so be less likely to trust a loner and more likely to trust a multiple person delegation. Be more likely to trust someone you personally know and have a personal relationship with. Be more likely to trust someone who is well known across the churches as a preacher of the pure gospel. And we trust those who have been sent by the church as envoys, not just those who choose to come of their own accord. And they should be tried and tested and recommended to us by someone in authority. Did you notice all those people were being recommended by Paul, this, this person in authority? And we can generally determine the credibility as they minister to us through the preaching of the gospel. Now, the thing is, a relationship like that takes time. And, you know, even with just about everything in life, we want to speed everything up. We want, we've become people of, who consume and people of convenience. And so when we give, all right, we want to give, but when we give, we want it to just be, okay, person turns up, we can instantly give, and it's gone, it's done. I've done my duty, giving. This sort of thing that Paul's describing here is something that, that takes time. It takes time to build a relationship. It takes time for us to, to get the feel of a person or, or, or a ministry and so that we know that we can have every, every confidence to give. But when we do take that time and we get that full confidence, then we can give and we can give generously. So let's be disciples of Jesus who give. Let's maintain that readiness to give. But not doing it in blind trust. Let's be disciples of Jesus who take our stewardship seriously. And we do a bit of due diligence. And we actually get to know the, the people and the organisation that we're supporting. And get involved. And let's invite them to Come and speak at our churches. Let's have prudence in our generosity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your church. Lord, we want to thank you for your church that, that stretches across the, 
the nations of the world. Lord, we want to thank you that, um, that your church sends people to other churches, churches like ours, so that we can learn of the needs of others. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a people who are always ready to give, but not giving blindly. Lord, help us to only, help us to recognise people who are acting with integrity and guard us against unscrupulous people. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would grow through the ministry of giving. In Jesus' name, amen.